Rock Bite, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. I'm Colin True, and today it's the Rock Fight of the Year. Back in March on the show, I threw some rocks at outdoor brand Rab over the launch of their new adventure cycling line, Cinder. Well, Rab heard that episode and is joining the fight by sending me product director Tim Fish to talk about the Cinder launch, the state of making stuff in the outdoor industry, and Rab's sustainability initiatives. But first, I need to tell you what's happening over at Gear Trade, your home for unnew outdoor gear and apparel for the month of October. You can earn up to 80% when you can sign your unwanted outdoor stuff that's just collecting dust in your garage, basement, or gear closet. Head to GearTrade.com, click on the Sell Your Gear tab, and let Gear Trade put cash money in your pocket. GearTrade.com. Earlier this year, when Rab, the UK-based outdoor gear and apparel maker, announced the launch of Cinder, their adventure cycling line, I couldn't get on the microphone fast enough to talk about it. Because while I understand that outdoor brands need to make things and sell things, it seemed to me that this was a bad move for Rab. And I've linked that episode in the show notes in case you missed it. Like we've talked about in the show with a few different brands, breaking into a new category is costly and often hard to find a niche in already crowded market spaces. Combine that with the fact that we already have a stuff problem and lack good circular solutions that are widely adopted across the outdoor industry, and this seemed to me like a move that would probably not pay off in the long run. And to be clear, the basis of this fight was broader than any one brand. I may have used the launch of Cinder as an example, but my point is that while fresh revenue in a new category is a tasty proposition, it's a lot of work to be known for one category and then try to gain authenticity in another. And it's also complicated by the sustainability issue. We need to be making less stuff as an industry, not more. So my overall assertion was that perhaps Rab should just stay in their lane. But in their defense, Rab does a lot of interesting things when you compare them with the larger brands in the outdoor space. Most of their line is focused on core activities, not nearly as much quote-unquote lifestyle merch. And when it comes to transparency to the consumer of what is actually in their stuff... They are up there with Houdini as a brand trying to change the conversation thanks to their material facts initiative that puts nutritional label style hang tags on their products so people can start to understand what they're actually buying. So I was excited when Rab reached out to fight back. I mean, that's been the point of the rock fight since day one. I'll throw some stones, but I'm also not above having them thrown back. And I welcomed Rab sending me their director of product, Tim Fish, to come on the show. Tim has spent his entire career making outdoor products, and as the product director for Rab, he oversaw the launch of Cinder and the creation of Material Facts. Tim is here to defend Cinder, talk about what will get the outdoor industry to apply more circular thinking to how we make things, as well as Rab's consumer-focused nutrition label. Welcome back to The Rock Flight. Today, it's a brand rebuttal with Rab's Tim Fish. All right, well, let the record show that sometimes when rocks are thrown, people show up to throw rocks back because we're here with Tim Fish, who's the product director at, uh, at Equip Outdoor Technologies, who's the parent company for Rab and Low Alpine. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. You know, I, I always hoped when um, I, we kind of talked about the Cinder launch by Rab a few months back, it was the early days of the show, still kind of technically early days of the show, but I always hoped that somebody would come on and like have this conversation. I never really expected it to happen, happen so I'm so psyched you're here. I actually listened to it recently. I was like, oh man, I missed this. If I'd seen that, you'd have got an email within a week. I'm psyched to have you on. I've taken a, a pretty specific stance and kind of the outdoor industry, because I think a lot of things were from where I sit and from my career there and just sort of observing kind of the space in general, it feels a little disingenuous to me. I think generally speaking, brands 
claim to care about the environment and our outdoor playgrounds. And I'm, I do use, I, I use a very broad brush when I talk brands. I know like we're talking, you know, like Rab's probably more of a, a mid-sized brand compared to the, you know, the Patagonias and the North Faces of the world. But, you know, we speak in generality sometimes. And, but then, so we, but they claim to care about, claim to care about the environment and outdoor playgrounds, but then we just produce way too much stuff and make products that are harmful to manufacture with no clear roadmap, roadmap to keep them out of a landfill. Because ultimately, that's kind of right now where things are going to end up at some point. Even if we keep them in rotation for a long time. So, you know, the, they market off the back of innovation. There haven't been a lot of technical breakthroughs. That was interesting working at a textile manufacturer of like, where is the next big technical breakthrough? Like, I don't know if there's going to be one. We've kind of created a lot of stuff. So, you know, um, speaking broadly, outdoor brands are not that much different now than really any other fashion brand at this point. So, when I kind of say that, and it's kind of a cynical point of view, I mean, do you agree with that assess- assessment as someone who works at brands and has worked in product for a long time? It's an interesting one, that, because we kind of, we do care about the environment, and I don't think we're always doing what we've always done. I think if you, if you look at the outdoor industry and brands and new product and where we focus for the last few years, it's not always about product, product, product. Actually, it's about environment, people, planet, um, reducing our impact. And we've learned a lot. Um, We've improved, we've reduced what we can. So I think it's kind of, it's not always the same. People, uh, if you boil it down, we live in a capitalist society. Everyone's got a mortgage to pay. If there wasn't an outdoor industry that made stuff, you wouldn't be doing this podcast. 100%. But we, we, we all need to do it. We all want to go and play in it. We all love new toys. That, that feeds this cycle. Equally, we can reduce our impact by doing, by, uh, by still maintaining that as well. So I think, are we getting better? Are we getting better? Yeah, definitely. Well, that's kind of me to do. Do you think we can be, are we doing as well as can be expected when it comes to, to making stuff? Could we be doing better when it just comes to making stuff? Yes and no. So I think, again, you'd split that into two. So I suppose that comes down to expectations and expectations based on what? If it's expectations of uh, performance by an end customer, we could make some of the most amazing things, but it'd be $2,000. No one's going to pay that. So you need to kind of register it that amazing performance at an affordable price point is key. So we could make things that are completely unattainable, just a pie in the sky kind of thing. Um, So it's balancing up expectations for value. I think the other side of that, expectations about kind of product from a CSR and an environmental point of view is different again. So it's what are people's expectations? And that's, that's what I think we're probably going to lead into talking about quite a bit. I think the outdoor industry and outdoor brands and outdoor product is, is better than high street fashion, in my opinion. Um, the outdoor industry doesn't make fast fashion. Is it fashion biased? Yes, but it's not fast. So it's fashionable, but it's not kind of high, high churn rate, high turn. But let me interrupt and, you for a second. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that true? Because I would I would argue that the vast majority of stuff that outdoor brands sells are like t-shirts, trucker caps, accessories, branded materials, and the very the stuff that we market the off the back of the technical gear mm. and the and the presentation to the public. It's probably almost the smallest parts of the but Now, Rab might be different. I think you guys are a little more core. No, we, uh, no, no we, yeah, no, no, we're different. Yeah, and I think that's where we are a bit different. We're kind of, and it's probably a, could be a bit of a commercial issue we sometimes have. We, we, we are very core, very authentic, and we sell proper outdoor kits to people that are using it in the outdoors a lot of time. Um, commercially, would we like to sell more T-shirts and trucker caps? Probably, yeah, because it's going to help the bomb. Your, your sales manager would. Yeah, yeah, damn right. Yeah, yeah. And my boss would, 100%. Equally, 
Um, if we start selling more organic cotton teas, we need to start measuring the, the kind of the, the impact of that as well. So, well, and I, think, I guess yeah. the, the, the kind of the source of my beef is, is that I just expect more from outdoor brands because there seems to be a mission, right? There should be, there's the mission of what we're mm. here to serve. And we all, the brands all have to play in the same sandbox as fast fashion brands for the most part in terms of how stuff gets made is the same for everybody. And is it, I'm not saying it's fair that I, maybe I should hold them to a higher standards. How it gets made. I'm not sure. I think how it gets made kind of is, but what it's made with and how it's looked after once it's purchased is different. So fundamentally, a lot of outdoor gear is nylon. It's overbuilt. It's going to last forever if it's looked after. So that's where we do a lot of kind of service center work and an education on uh, extending the longevity of product. Mm -hmm. So we wash, we repair, we will do what we can to keep things out of landfill, keep them going longer. I right. think if you flip that to, to fashion, that doesn't happen. It's like you've washed it 10 times, it's pilled, you don't like the color, lives at the bottom of the wardrobe, you take it to a, we call it a charity shop, I don't know what you guys call it in the States. Yeah, yeah effectively the same. Yeah, same thing. Um, and I think a lot of outdoor gear does last longer just because it's inherently how it's, how, how it's built and what it's built for. It is burly and it's tough. So yeah, that. You're right. It does. I mean, it does really last longer. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think there's become, you see the growing movement, like the biggest partner we have here on the show is with uh, GearTrade.com, who's a secondhand retailer. Yeah. Um, and you know, how we keep things in rotation longer and they've made it really easy on, you know, their customers like, you know, we'll send you a box to ship it to us, but you know, that's still probably a challenge, right? Cause it still takes action on people to do it. But I guess, you know, when you look at things, like I, I mentioned last week on the show, we were talking a little bit about uh, Houdini's new store up in Stockholm, they're opening, which is very circular based. Yep. And, you know, I, I know the, I think the, the notion of a circular, circular economy has existed probably since like the 1960s or 70s. It's been, a, it's, it's a, not a, a recent yeah. thing, um, but it also seems like a very smart thing. Um, especially when you see what's happened since the sixties or seventies in terms of consumption. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, fully. Yeah. How, I mean, from you guys, from your standpoint at Rav, do you mean, do you ever talk about circular practices? How do we take things back? I think you guys are doing as much as you can on a transparency point of view. Like how do we provide as much information to consumers so they can make decisions? But even that's sort of wrought with challenges, right? Cause it's like, you know, a, a consumer is mostly going to buy things off of fit and look and, and, and feel right. Yeah. Um, the more educated may look at the label, great. Uh, but then also, but how do we then know that, hey, at the end, when you're done with us, here's, here's what you do. How do, we, how do we get to that point? Yeah, we're looking at it a lot at the minute. So kind of go back to your first question. Have we looked at circularity? 100% yes. Um, so where are we? probably four or five years ago, we launched a jacket that was a monopolymer jacket. So mm-hmm. full polyester face, polyester membrane, polyester backer, um, polyester tape with the thinking that if it's a monopolymer, it's easier for an end of life, easier to get to an end of life solution and basically take it apart at the end of its life. We got asked a lot of questions. What do I do with it at the end of its life? And the honest answer was back then and still is, we don't know. But we're future-proofing our kind of design process by going, when it's possible, this will be easier to take apart. And there's an easier end of life solution. Um... Since then, it's been a bit of a pet project. We've looked at what to do, yeah. and there still isn't a solution, and, it, and it's multiple. So it's like, how do you deal with the end of life, the end of life of product? So if it's polyester, do you go down 
chemical recycling and degradation or do you go mechanical then what do you do with it uh we've traveled to a couple of plants recently where they're looking at soft drink bottles so mm-hmm. the soft drink bottle industry is a closed loop within reason um if we put let's say a downpour jacket into that loop it discolors the chips therefore the the, the soft drink bottles no longer clear consumers want a clear bottle right so so that's no avenue for that so so what do you do with it it's kind of and then you need to go back into fabric but the fabric's been made in uh in asia using the us or europe there's no fabrics made in 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 the us or europe so it needs to go back to asia so so where we've got to is it's something (laughs) we're looking at but it's a society issue and there's a lot of legislation Mm -hmm. coming in um in the eu at the minute about um end of life of product and instructing and giving people instructions on what to do so that's where we're we're looking at product passports building rfid into our product Mm -hmm. so say we build a really great jacket that lasts 10 15 years and then someone goes i don't want it yeah what the hell's that made from it's like the badge has fallen off the care label's been cut out what is it so potentially you go to a recycling plant rfid scan it you go oh cool it's full polyester i'll put it in the left hand green basket and then i know it's going to get shredded mechanically here and go back into that that's not there for anybody so whether yeah, it's... the the infrastructure definitely yeah. needs to be created and i do think mm. of the end consumer too because i get they have to make it easy in the consumer i use the cop the uh the, the comparison of the organics industry right it's like yeah you know and, and i still believe i'm sure most people don't understand what an organic apple versus a non-organic apple means they might oh this is healthier like nah it's just it was grown better grown better yeah. is basically the difference but well, not, that even label, grow, not even grown right? better just 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 grown with less impact yeah right exactly yeah yeah, yeah better, and, and yeah. it's but it's stickered and it says organic and it makes it easy for the consumer to go oh i want that one i'm happy to spend 20 extra mm. cents you know per, you know mm. uh, for, for this apple that's a much more complicated thing to apply that to apparel i understand that but i also feel like that's what we have to do i mean it's because the for the consumers to, to rely on the consumer to say Oh, I understand all of this, <laughs> and I'm going to buy this one because I. It's like it's never going to happen. It's just it's too hard. It's too complicated. You touched on something else. Then it's like okay, it's twenty cents more for an organic apple. Again, you get into society issues. Like there is a cost of living crisis. Yep. Globally. Yep. So are we saying that you can only reduce your impact if you're affluent? It's like wow, that's a right, pretty pretty interesting conversation to get into. I think so. Um, what, so it really comes down to, you know, infrastructure and almost and regulation. And I do know regulation. I'm not sure if you can speak to this at all from your from Rab's perspective. But like here in the U.S., I know there's been a, a big push. I had a, a gentleman named Ken Pucker on a few months back, um, one of our first guests, actually. And he and I worked together at Timberland. He was the COO of Timberland when I was there and uh, oversaw their nutrition label efforts, which we're going to talk about in a little bit because you guys yep. are doing something similar. But he's behind this thing called the New York Fashion Act, which is basically disclosure on, you know, greenhouse emissions and things like that from apparel brand, from fashion brands. And to his, to his point, I think he either had, it was either one or zero outdoor brand that was actually on board with supporting that. And because, I mean, look, it's going to, it basically says if, if you, if this passes in New York, if you want to sell in New York, there's a certain number of disclosures you have to provide, which, and if, then if you don't, you're going to be fined major mm. sums of money. And... Again, I think putting your money where your mouth is here, it's like, well, if you truly care about the environment, this is a smart thing. And also, by the way, if it, ha- if it passes in New York, 
New York City's in New York. <laughs> like you're, you're, everyone's going to participate in this. And yeah. so then the, he was a little disheartening to hear that only one, or may, it could have been zero. I may, I, I want to be optimistic and say it was one uh, outdoor brand was on board with this. Uh, yeah. Where's your position on something like that? I mean, in terms of like regulatory, is that something you would support? Um, we got legislation coming in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's coming. It is absolutely coming. Um, I, th- I mean, a lot of what we've done recently is in response to that. It's almost a future-proof what we're doing, knowing that where we're at, we had a pretty good idea. But okay, in the next couple of years, there will be EU legislation. There's California legislation coming in. Mm-hmm. There's rumor of different things in Norway, uh, Benelux. Germany's got a different thing. France brought something in last year, which kind of maybe contradicts some of the EU stuff. Um, I think that is the only way that we will get towards a circular economy. By it's kind of it's a diktat. You need to do this, guys, and it's hard. And there's a lot of brands are just looking at it, going, "Wow, this is a whole other level that we're not ready for yet." So. But I think it is required when you do see the level of reporting and you, you go through scope mm. one, two, three emission reporting and like, you know, how many people actually report on scope threes, you know, and things like that. Like real quick exactly. to point out, yeah, look at our scope yeah. ones, look what we did. But then like scope yeah. threes, ah, we're not, we're not <laughs> going to talk about that, you know. <laughs> look here, but don't look at this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's also, and just the complicated nature of it. And to your point back to the beginning of our conversation, it, it's a capitalist yeah. society, right? So I, totally. I yeah, completely. It, there's a, I, I can be critical while also understand. Uh, I mean, I used to be a sales manager. I definitely understand, you know, the right? At, at the same time, when and, and you- ha- hands up, I'm sure you, you love buying new toys and geeking out on gear. Well, I, I do. of course, it's fun to get new stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially yeah. I think folks of our generation, you know, come on, stuff was it. I try to tell my kids, like, hey, we didn't have Amazon. We didn't have these things. Like, when I was a kid, like, my birthday and Christmas were a big deal because those are the only two times <laughs> a year that I got stuff. And then now, yeah. then I grow up, and now I can get stuff whenever I want. Like, it's not surprising. And, probably, and, and discounted through mates as well, I'm sure, in the industry. Right. 100%. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. what do you mean, discount? You know, just send it to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about Cinder. So, like, t- t- give me, can you yeah. peek behind the scenes of how Cinder came together and kind of the rationale for the launch? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Rab's in an interesting place in the in in different markets. It's in different stages of a brand evolution. So, okay. in the UK, we are the big brand. In Europe, we are mainland Europe. We are kind of one of the small upstart brands, kind of getting a bit bigger. In the US, I think, and we feel that we're still deemed quite sort of small and niche. Was that a fair kind of yeah, assessment? I, I think the, I mean, wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I w- if I went into a retailer, an outdoor retailer, I wouldn't be surprised to see Rab, but I also wouldn't be surprised to not see Rab. I guess it'd probably be yeah, the, uh, the sure. Way to, right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go into a retailer here, 40% of the shop will be Rab. Sure. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, therefore, from a commercial point of view, how do we, how do we expand our line and keep growing? We don't want to go any wider. We don't want to try and be a brand we're not and go into fast fashion and kind of selling out. Um, so therefore, that's us looking at how we deliver more for our existing customers. Equally, we did a lot of work and kind of went, actually, rab people cycle and cyclists wear rab. But mm-hmm. that jacket that you already wear is kind of okay for cycling. If it was a little bit slimmer in the body, a bit less flappy in the arm, slightly longer hem, bit shorter at the front and we put a bit more pre-cove in it'll be amazing for cycling so that that's kind of why we did it a lot of cyclists here knowing that 
um, people already wear a lot of rad product for cycling, mm-hmm. but actually just tweaking it and putting it together as a whole package. It's, it's interesting. It's kind of a slow burn. It's a bit, it's a bit of a passion project for a few people here as well. It's I believe fun. that. We wanted to do it. It's cool. It's like, uh, we, I cycle. A lot, of the, a lot of the other directors cycle. My boss cycles. So. Well, see, this is, the, yeah. this is probably why I, I maybe had some questions <laughs> outside, yeah, outside yeah. of the making stuff conversation, which I, I think, you know, is valid. But, I, but you're, to your point, like, yeah, look, you got to make things and we got to sell it. Totally understand it. But yeah. cycling is weird. Because yeah. I think you know, I think if you're a cyclist, I think you're gonna understand this. Like I cycle, right? But I'm probably yeah. like you. Like I'm a general outdoor enthusiast, and every general outdoor enthusiast bikes. However, yeah. there are bike people, and bike oh, people yeah, I feel yeah. like carry that "don't come stand on my corner" vibe, <laughs> right? It's like like no, I buy these brands. This is what I recognize. Now at the same time, that's the heart. That's the 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 Rafa bike person, right? Now, also on yeah. that bike corner is the, I just get my shit at, at the charity shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, go ahead. No, equally, the guy post-ride, you've got mm-hmm. the guy in Rafa, you've got the guy in Fox or whatever, or in during the middle. All of those guys will probably have a Rab Microlite jacket on in the evening, irrespective, irrespective of which clique they identify with when they're actually on a bike. Um, does that make sense? That's where we're going. Actually, look, it, you, you guys are all cyclists and you guys are mountain people. But you're wearing this kind of this this anyway. But where do you get that feedback? Like, how do you like? Is that just an intuition? Is that something that has there been market research that kind of shows that? Um, I think it's living and breathing it. We're all out cycling. We're out climbing. We're out skiing in Europe, in the states, in the UK. You see it. You go camping with a family at a weekend. You go for a bike ride with your mates on a Saturday. You kind of, I, I don't know, but I can't switch off from looking at what people are wearing and what they're doing. It's my job. So I'm doing it all the time. The it drives time. my kids crazy. It drives yeah, my yeah, kids yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. crazy. And I, don't, and I haven't been in the industry for like six years. And I still just like, especially shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, we yeah, were yeah, in yeah. Italy this summer. And I'm just like pointing out, I'm like, okay, see, that's a U.S. brand, U.S. brand. You see, like, this is where you see the yeah, penetration yeah. of U.S. culture. They're like, dad, are you looking at everybody's shoes? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get the same thing. It's like walking on the street and it's like, head turn. And your wife's like. Are you looking at her? It's like, no, I was looking at her bag. Like, yeah, yeah. You were. yeah, you were. You totally were. <laughs> no, I was, really. No, no, I mean, she's like, yeah, you were. I know you were. So, yeah, yeah fully. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, I think we, we just see it. Um, we've got lots of different cyclists here. So we've got, we've got skiers, climbers. We've got people that go out and ride a road bike a lot in Lycra, ride a gravel bike fast, equally ride a gravel bike in mountain biking apparel, and then other people that go out full-on gravity-inspired downhill biking. So you kind of just know, all of you go and wear a microlight afterwards or a rab fleece or a rab waterproof. So kind of put, putting two and two, two and two together was the logical progression. I guess I, I maybe then is the, the other kind of my counter to that is just what I could, again, I get definitely triggered something in me. Like, and by the way, I had the same kind of words for outdoor research who just did something similar as well. Sure, yeah. And yeah, yeah. there is a lot of what you're offering, I feel like in a cinder line available. I, I, you were kind enough to send me a couple of pieces. I appreciate that. Mm. And, uh, I put the hoodie on and look, it's a wonderful piece. It fits great. I totally yep. understand it. I, I probably have three other hoodies that I could say, yeah, this is a lot like that. And, and that's, so I kind of like when then you kind of, and that's not, uh, uh, to, that's not a knock on the product product's mm. good, right? And to your point, I mm. know what's going to last. I know also without yep. that RAB label, if, if it didn't last, that would be 
that would be more upsetting to you than anything else, probably. Yeah, so, yeah. but it is when now you kind of line it up, right? And now I'm a typical cycling consumer and I'm shopping and I see the whole lineup and I've got cycling brands making something similar and I've got outdoor brands making something similar. And you're right, there is, you're going to make a passionate choice based off of who you are as an individual. That's just, that's a tough hill to climb, right? It's to kind of break into that market. Yeah, I think one of the things we identified was it depends where it's sold mm-hmm. and it's de- and it depends what the brands are. So I think if you look at a lot of bike brands who do, who actually make bikes, they absolutely geek out and focus on hardware and travel and geometry and da 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 da. And then soft goods are, are deemed accessories. Right. We f- right. we f- they are, we flip that on this head and go. W- we deliver that level of geekery and geometry and kind of perfection in fabrics and fit that they do on bikes but we do that in soft goods we don't do the hardware yeah so it's almost it's the same level of performance um but it's what we do mm-hmm. we make really great fitting apparel and product that performs fantastically and what we set out to do is to bring our kind of knowledge experience fit cut fabric tech into an area where we know our customers are already working and where we mm-hmm. operate as well. So I think if you look at kind of bike brands, I don't know, this might be a little bit inflammatory, but I would say that our fabric tech and fit is better than bike brands doing apparel. Is it much different to other outdoor brands? Maybe not that different. Is mm-hmm. it sold in places where we're strong? Yes. Is it sold in places where they're strong? Is their stuff sold where we're strong? No, and vice versa. So, and that's why I kind of, our Rab Cinder range hasn't been a global release. So it's not oh, in no every kidding. market. Yeah, it's not in every market. Okay. So, um, Well, that was going to be my follow-up question is, yeah. anytime you launch a new extension business unit, whatever you want to call, that's you know a ton of effort and money behind the scenes as well. Like, you know, I was talking exactly. about, yeah, I yeah. talked a lot about, and also Loa entering the trail running market. And yeah. I don't doubt Loa can make a great trail running shoe. I think that's kind of the other thing back to our part of the uh, beginning part of the conversation of like making stuff has gotten if anything's gotten easier right i mean you and i right now yeah. could, could we could we could come up with like three ideas and in like what 10 days have prototypes i mean it's kind of like it's yeah, not yeah, the infrastructure is yeah, yeah. in place <clears throat> and if i i can't remember the last time it was probably the early like mid to like 2005 time frame where i was trying on shoes and i'm like these just don't work right or they don't fit right i mean since then things have really gotten dialed However, how you launch, if you're serious about it, and you you it's a, it's a multi-year commitment, right, to kind of find success in that new market. Because even if Loa comes out with the best trail running shoe that's ever been made, and like you can objectively claim that, you still got to go through, you know, first of all, Brooks, yeah, Asics, jump, jump you know, the, you know yeah, all yeah, these yeah, guys, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. right, and then now the the Hoka's and the Ons and the Ultras who are all crushing it to get yeah. to the top. So when you look at something like Cinder and Let's, you know, if, even if you're like, we have got it, like this is, this is the thing, right? You still have to go on that journey. And mm. if you, and then the hard part of that journey, I feel like just in my past experience is if you don't kind of crush it out of the gates, then the and people j- who are writing the checks go, are we sure we want to, uh, we want to be doing this? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. hundred percent. It's interesting. Um, what we a year down the line from it, kind of for mm-hmm. when we launched it, I think it's a bit later in the U S um, sure. we, We've done a classic thing, which we're aware of now, in that we've totally geeked out on the fabric tech and the fit, and that's what we've communicated. Mm-hmm. And 
in hindsight, would we do it differently next time? If we did it again, we would probably do it a bit differently. And we've done a classic British thing of queuing up nice and neatly and apologising <laughs> for doing something really well rather than being full American, standing on the rooftops going, hell yeah, look at this. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's a, it's a British trait, I think. It's a British brand, British traits. And that's something we need to get better at. So, I mean... What would you do differently if you were if you were doing it today? What what do you think? What what is, what is the the thing to lean into? If before it was like ah, oh, we're just the, the thing you things you mentioned the, like the what, geeky bit. Yeah, what's what's the real selling point on the cinder line in your point I, of view? I, I think it would be boil it right down to like if you wear this, if you buy this and wear this, you will have a better experience in your adventure because yeah, you will almost be call out the competition. Yeah, kind of you will be drier, warmer, more comfortable, more variable about kind of maintaining the comfort you want to be at. So it's that like let's lead the horse to water a little more right yeah so we, we did that classic thing of kind of telling people what it is rather than telling them what the actual benefit is to them right well I, and that's kind of back to my point of what the industry continues to do right stop telling people how innovative things and tell them how much better their experience is going to be because we all expect stuff to work now it just it and i and i mean that for it's guys a, it's like a given. you and me it's a given yeah 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 Yeah, we we know that and we used to we grew up when stuff didn't work Oh my god! I I remember my first I remember my first jacket. I have never been so wet and cold. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's what I mean about the innovation conversation. Like it was real. I've told the story before uh, by in sales meetings and on this podcast. But in the early '80s, my brother I thought he was a genius because we'd get. To, we, I grew up in Pennsylvania. It would snow, yeah. and he would take a tube sock, cut five holes in it, and put it on over his hand so that he could have it under his glove to protect his wrist from the snows because it was truly. How long can you last outside today? And now we can go out for as long as we want. And yeah. that's, uh, uh, I think I even maybe mentioned it on the Polar Tech podcast because it was just, hey, like, uh, stop telling, stop selling people on features, sell them on the experience. Because my kids Ooh. just assume that everything has always worked, right? So, yeah. yeah. But I think and that, that's kind of a, a change thing, isn't it? People trust brands. If you buy a product from Apple, you know it will work. You don't right. even bother looking at it. Right. It's that. You, you, you trust the brand. Interesting, that loops back to some of the kind of the CSR and environmental communication we're talking about. It's, it's an assumption that you trust the brand. To, yeah. You want to, to anyway. You what, what, yeah. yeah, to give you what you expect or a retailer. So... Well, that's good. That's a good segue. So into kind of your, your nutrition label. So I was at Timberland 2006 when they rolled out their nutrition label on shoes yeah. as a separate to kind of inform consumers of what they were buying. I will never forget, you know, we had these quarterly rallies and Jeff Swartz who was our CEO at the times up there and they're putting it up and we're like, oh, and I remember at the time feeling like, oh my God, this is the, everyone's going to do this and it's going to, everyone's going to a widespread adoption and it's going to be like the organic food thing. And everyone's going to be like, oh, like, well, this shoe has this and whatever. But then after a few years, it kind of quietly went away. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you, I tried to dig around and I emailed a few friends who still work there. I haven't heard back from them, but it just said, it kind of get the sense of the big reason it didn't work at the time is because no one else did get on board. And so consumers didn't know what to compare it to. It was sort of like, well, there it is. It has this in it. Like, is that good? <laughs> you, know, it's like, you know, is that bad? So tell me about launching Rab's version. It's, it's, it's actually quite similar when I was looking at photos of the old one to the Timberland one. You did mention it, and hands up, I feel really dumb that we didn't know about it. Oh. So we didn't. <laughs> I know, honestly. You I was shouldn't. Like, what? It, it was like four years and gone. I mean, like, it's interesting. It's like we, I had a proper Google, found one. I was like, wow, nope. And interesting, we, we have shared this with a lot of journalists and kind of people. No one's mentioned it. So just checking, you weren't like head of marketing that launched it, were you? 
just well, like put. Well, you weren't head of marketing. I'm not putting my foot no. in it here. Man. No, 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 I was no, a good. I was a tech rep when I was at Timberland. <laughs> okay, cool. Just making sure I don't no. offend you completely. Like, no. what the hell? That worked well. No, 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 not at all. And 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 frankly, it's not surprising. I was wondering if maybe yeah. you guys look back and you're like, oh, they tried this and no. we built, but it's like that's not surprising. Hundred percent, hundred percent, completely unaware of it. Like kicking myself that we didn't. Um, how did it come about? Material facts. Uh, Two year project, and. It's kind of come about two ways. One from lots of retailers asking us for the same information 10 different ways. So they're going, is this recycled? Does this have fluorocarbons in? Is this bit that? Uh, does this tick this box? Is it fairware? And our team's just getting loads of requests for information. And then when we did send that information out, it was then being interpreted different ways by different retailers and they're putting their own parameters on it. So what one person's recycled is 50%, mm-hmm. another person's recycled is 75%. Is it? <laughs> so, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's like <laughs> it's like oh hang on, recycled to me means it's recycled. Right, right. Half ha- half of one bit of it is recycled isn't good enough, isn't clear. Uh, so we got to a point kind of a and it went through many iterations over 2 years of going how do we communicate this clearly so that it, it can't be misinterpreted. Uh, and we looked at almost going, our benchmark will be 50%. And then we digged a bit, dug a bit deeper, continued to dig into it and just went, that's not enough because that's only one element and it's main body fabric. Let's, let's take a jacket. Main body fabric right. is the biggest thing on that. Um, so we got to a point of going, actually, we need to build something that just lists it out and gives it to the consumer and allow them to make their own decisions. In the same way that a nutrition label does on food, mm-hmm. it's covered in red. It's pretty obvious it's not going to be very good for you. It's full of green. It's probably okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting project. Um, so, actually, we, we now supply material facts tables with all our products to retailers and on our website and for retailers' websites so that consumers can make up their own mind Yeah, rather than being fed a picture of a green tree or a green stamp or wow, something. Wow, yeah, and that's like, always the fun thing. It's like it's back to my point yeah, about that. consumers just they want to just be absolved of guilt, right? I mean it's just ultimately like oh it comes out to that trust. Yeah. 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 Oh it, it's from it's from them. It must be okay. Right. And it's like, well actually do, do have you dug into it? Do you know? Really? Is it? And, and I think that comes from kind of consumer and consumer education and learning within society. Yeah. Of, and it comes back to where we got to with material facts, it's very much about trying to avoid greenwashing. We don't want our products to be greenwashed by other people in misinterpreting some of the information that we give them and it being marketed in- incorrectly. So it's, it's going, look, here it is, guys. You make up your own mind. It's like full transparency, full honesty on what's in here. To the best of our knowledge... How do you gauge success though, too, right? Because you have like, so you have, okay, the educate, I'm the educated consumer because of what I did for so long. You are as well. You go into a shop and you're kind of like looking at it and you pick it up. And I, you know, I look at the label and you see the recycled content or amount of fluorocarbons or whatever. Like those are buzzwords, triggers for me, right? And I might then scan the QR code. I might, whatever, might just do like, okay, well, that's on their website. Let me do some independent searching. Most consumers probably, they're looking for the greenwashing, frankly. Like, they don't know that they are, but it's just they want to, know, again, be like, oh, this has recycled, made with recycled content. Ah, sweet. I've, 
I've solved climate change by wearing this jacket, right? Yeah, yeah. So or, how or, do or you... Even, yeah, go ahead. Even lighter than that, if it's got the right badge on it, they make an assumption. To- totally. No, and I saw out mm. of the EU, EU last week that they're working on banning phrases, you know, like nature's best and, you know, and sustainable um, and things and like that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that completely comes down to that greenwashing thing. Totally. Like, what is it like made better? So, but how do you, for that person who maybe isn't educated, but still looks at the label, how, you know, cause it is a little vague. I mean, and not that it's vague, it's not, it's very on the nose, but in terms of maybe that person doesn't understand what they're looking at, right? How do you, how do you kind of, how do you bridge that gap for that person and maybe future iterations? Getting more people on board and it becoming a thing. Yeah. So, so we made it, we, we got to the same point. We're going, we've done this. Great. Actually, ultimately, we don't want this to be ours. We want to open source it. And we kind of put a call, a call to arms to other brands going, here it is, join us. And actually, let's make this an industry-wide thing, um, which is great. And we've kind of, we've, in, we've engaged with quite a few big brands. I think, in fact, some big, some small, some footwear, some apparel. I think everyone's a little bit on the fence. So it's kind of a bit like, Need a bit of like, come on, guys, get off the fence. Let's let's make this a thing. Let's do it. That's you um, know, and that's I, it was the question I had. If you engage other brands, you have, mm. and that's another thing that I, that frustrates me with the industry in general. Is it's like, yeah, you, we have to, everyone. This is the this is the perfect thing to align on and and create create yeah. the standard. If you don't want, if if only one person supporting oh, the New York Fashion Act, then get together and say, yeah. well, this is what the standard should be for the outdoor industry, or you know, this yeah. this type of outdoor industry anyway. And yeah. it's. I was, I was, that was the one thing I was critical of. And it wasn't that they did anything wrong, but in, in Houdini's thing last week, I'm like, well, if I go to the Stockholm store, it's still only going to be Houdini stuff. Right. And it's yeah, like, so yeah, now yeah, if, exactly, I wanna, yeah. if I want to, if I want to shop Patagonia secondhand, well, I got to go to Patagonia secondhand store. And if I want to shop the North Face, like, well, they, they don't do a secondhand store. They only like recreate things out of damage. It's like, okay. It's like, well, guys, if you could all get your shit together. <laughs> you know? and yeah, like. Yeah. Like, like for, we want other people to use a standard. If it's not quite what we've got now, great, we'll move on. But let's just stop messing around. And yeah. Kind of giving his our version. Actually, we're going to say that we're going to say it's recycled because our our parameters fifty percent. Oh, yours is sixty. It's, it's a, a bit of a standardisation. I, I do genuinely hope that the 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 legislation that's coming in actually starts to drive this um, forward a bit more. I think it, otherwise consumers just aren't going to know where they stand. They can't. It's not fair. It's, no. You can't. Yeah. I, I, it's, a, it's almost a burden of knowledge to know what we know. I'd rather just be like, oh, I need completely. a coat. I'm going to go buy a coat. <laughs> yeah, but then you go, oh, actually, it's the recycled polyester one, the less damaging, <laughs> the nylon one, maybe. But then the nylon one will last longer. But, mm, but, that's, but that's 100 quid. But then it's 100 pounds more. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey man, to wrap to wrap up, man, as cynical as I may sound at times, you know, like my like I think I said to you before we started recording, my views definitely came came from a career spent at brands, and it's it's a love of the community and the industry, and just wanting to be better. I, I you know I think I want I want what we I want how we present ourselves to be to be the way that we are, you know, and so that's it's a little bit of trying to be the voice in the room, kind of raising some concerns. But as we kind of wind down, you know, what what do you think we can expect from these initiatives from Rab in general? Like, what what do you want the brand to be? You know, regardless of you know financial goals or or you know, market share, those things. What 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 can, what can and should brand uh, Rab be? For me, absolutely staying core and authentic to what we do and what we want it to be. We're in an interesting position where we're a pretty small business. We're privately owned. It can be what we want it to be. And on the whole, we are mountain people that go climbing, go cycling, 
go running, go skiing. And it's not, for me as kind of product director, it's not trying to be a brand that we're not and trying to emulate someone else or selling out into kind of kind of fast fashion and stuff like that. Yeah, that was kind of pretty cool. We, we, we love what we do. Keep doing that. Well, and from an industry and community perspective, I mean, what do you, what do you think is missing right now? Is is that, you know, are there some of the things we talked about? Is there something that kind of nags at you the way some of these things nag at me? Uh, I think the other thing I just want to highlight is doing material facts was interesting looking internally. Um, we thought we knew a lot. And then actually working on material facts, we really lifted the lid and dug into all the little bits and went, ooh, actually, we don't know about that. Do we know? Ooh, actually, if we change this, it would do that. So it made us way more thorough. And equally, it's highlighted where we still have a, a gap and where we need to improve. So we go, okay, 76% recycled. What about that 10% there and that 3% there? How do we nail that? So it's kind of, it helps steer us where to focus our efforts, which is great, rather than going, it's recycled. Like un- un- uh, positive unintended con- consequences, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, no, so it's good. Just something else to highlight. It's kind of, it was an interesting exercise. That's great. A lot of hard work by a lot of people. Can imagine, but still have a long way to go, it seems. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just need other people to get on board as well. That'd be great. It'd be a thing, definitely. Well, Tim, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Great. Lovely to chat. Thank you. All right, buddy. All right, that's our show for today. Big thanks to Rab and to my guest, Tim Fish, and I hope that anyone else who has been on the receiving end of our rocks here at The Rock Fight understands that this is a dialogue. If you don't like something we've talked about on the show, reach out. Drop an email to myrockfight at gmail.com. Please follow or subscribe and give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Subscribing and rating is the single best way to support the show, so please hook us up with that support. We'll be back soon with more outdoor ideas that aim for the head. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight LLC. I'm Colin True. Thanks for listening. And here to take us out is Krista Makes from Less Than Jake with the Rock Fight fight song. We'll see you next time, Rock Fighters. Rock Fight!